listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. Hosted by high-stakes headhunter, author, and professional speaker, Scott Love. Hey, this is Scott Love, and thanks for joining me on the Rainmaking Podcast. One thing I want to let you know about is that I'm recording this introduction remote from Las Vegas, so it don't think that the rest of the interview is kind of scratchy uh, when you hear this introduction. I actually just finished up attending and sitting on a panel at the annual conference of the National Speakers Association. I first joined the National Speakers Association way back in 2003 when I started a training company for recruiters that I eventually sold several years ago. And I was truly honored to sit on a panel by Jeff Hazlett and Rich Bontrager, two close friends of mine, to talk about the situation with this podcast, the situation meaning that what have I done with it? Let me give you a little bit of insight. I rebranded this podcast that had been dormant for about like five or six years. I kind of pivoted it. And sorry to use that word. I know you've never heard it before. I pivoted it to the concept of rainmaking. And the reason I did that, there were two reasons. As you know, I recruit partners for big law firms and we just launched an associate division and attorneys don't want to talk to a headhunter until they're ready to move. So we decided to put content out there that can help them regardless of whether they want to move or not. And that's the one thing within law school, it's not taught. Business development is not taught. Yet, how do you measure the success of an attorney within a big law firm? What's the book like? How have they become a rainmaker? So that's one reason I launched this a little over a year ago, and we're over 50 episodes. And the second one is this, and this is something that kind of comes with a small favor, and it's nothing you have to go out of your way to do, but let me give you some perspective in high school, I was on the debate team. And my senior year, my partner, James McKinney, and I competed well. And we were ended up climbing the ladder up to second place in the state of Texas for championship cross-examination debate. I mean, that was my sport. I even got a letter jacket. Debated intercollegiately at the Naval Academy. When I was in the U.S. Navy after my sea tour, I was a leadership trainer. I started speaking professionally in 2003. And I haven't done much with that in the last five years, but I'm starting to speak more to legal groups and to corporate groups on the topic of rainmaking, client development and sales performance. So this is my favor. I wanted to ask if you happen to come across opportunities to to suggest a speaker, I'd ask you to throw my name in the hat. All of my information, including testimonials, demo videos on my site at scottlove.com. But that's my ask. If you hear of an opportunity for a conference, put my name in the hat, and I'd be happy to talk to the people that get involved in that. But let me get to the show right here. And I'm excited about this particular guest, Mo Bunnell. He has helped complex organizations grow by scaling business development skills across their organizations and creating a growth-oriented culture. You don't meet too many people that have the vision that Mo has, and his focus is clear. It's all on business development. He's the author of The Snowball System, the host of the video podcast, Real Relationships, Real Revenue, and the founder of Bunnell Idea Group, which has trained over 15,000 seller experts at over 400 clients all over the world. I know that you're going to get some great ideas from Mo today. He's insightful. We're going to put the links that we talk about on the show notes, so you don't need to write those down. You can just go to the show notes and check that out. And as always, if you know of some interesting people that you think have ideas that would help this show reach its audience and give them content, please let me know. And as always, again, thank you so much for listening. 
Hey, this is Scott Love. Thanks for joining me on the Rainmaking Podcast. We've got Mo Bunnell with us today. I'm excited because Mo, as you know, has some great experience. And today we're talking about business development habits. Mo, thanks for joining me on the show today. Scott, man, I am so excited to join you. We're going to have a blast and hopefully be really helpful to your audience. I hope so. And I expect that because your content is solid. I'm a fan. And I think that your ideas that I've heard you talk about really fit in alignment with the listeners of this show. So I'm really excited to hear what you have to say. But kind of give us a quick overview. Tell us about your story in 30 seconds or less. What did you start at in the business world? And how did you get to what you're doing today in your current work? Wow, 30 seconds. It's going to be tough. Time's a ticking. Uh, well, I started my career much like many of your audience, except I was a professional, but I was an actuary. So right. you can't get much more technical than that. And in one day, through a weird chain of events, I went from 100% delivery focus to 100% business development focus, asked my boss for a manual. There was no manual. He actually laughed at me. And I spent, <laughs> out of fear of failure, I spent the next several years putting together a system that would work for business development where I had my clients' best interest in mind. And I always had their back, yet I was being proactive and in, in retaining and growing the book of business I had. Tons of success with it. And then started to be asked to give talks on it. And through that course, Scott, I didn't just fall in love with business development. I fell in love with teaching others. business development. And now we've been at it uh, about 15 years since I've been off on my own. We have a big team of people that trains people, sound, effective, efficient business development skills. That's great. Yeah. And I like the fact that you've really built a machine that really serves your clients on all levels and the people that you want to get to know, the same people that I want to get to know. And those are people that are in the business of getting business. And so let me ask you this. When we talk about business development habits. Let's get some definitions in place. What does that mean exactly? Well, we we break it down into three areas. One is how do you manage your opportunities? How do you find the right people? How do you create an amazing buy-in process? So you're being attractive, but you actually get the deal done, the contract signed, the matter started, whatever. Thing one. Thing two is how do you manage your relationships? If opportunities are a bit more shorter term, a little bit more commercial, Mm -hmm. managing relationships is your long-term pipeline. Who do you want to invest in that is going to pay off over the long term? Who do you want to be proactive? Who do you want to be helpful with? And then the last segment, the third, is how do you manage yourself? Because man, if you've got one foot in trying to bill 1,800 hours a year, 2,000 hours a year, doing an amazing job with delivery, and you've got one foot in bringing in business, you know, the business of being in business, like you mentioned, boy, you've got to have a good system around it because your audience, my audience, they're not full-time salespeople. They don't have 2,500 hours a year to spend in air quotes selling. They've got to be efficient and integrate what they're doing around business development in their busy day-to-day life. So managing your opportunities, managing your relationship, managing yourself, man, when people can do those three things well, they do well with bringing in the business that they want. Yeah. I like how you break it down into three simple buckets, so to speak. I mean, that's the word I use. The three different buckets. And yeah. it's simple. Yeah. If it's four, you're not going to be able to remember it. But if it's three, exactly. you know, that's all you need for a stool to have balance. And there's your metaphor for the day. I love it. If we were to draw a pie chart, managing opportunities, managing relationships, and managing yourself. What do you think, and and here's my two questions. The first one is, what's the optimal way to divide those in a pie chart? And what do you think, with most professionals, how is that out of balance? Oh, 
Those are great, great questions. So the first one, optimal way, we probably need to start with ourselves. So even though that's the third thing, and we cover it third because there's some things, things to learn about managing your opportunities and managing relationships you need to know. So we mention it third, but it's really where we need to start. So I don't know that I would say a pie chart because in a way it all comes back to ourselves, but I'll give you one simple trick people can put in practice right away. It's that if somebody can just take 15 minutes and write down on a piece of paper, every single opportunity they would like a client to say yes to. These are the matters they want to bring in, the projects they want to start, the conference they'd like to speak at, anywhere another human being needs to say yes to get them to do the thing. Those are your opportunities. And in that 15 minutes, write down the eight relationships you want to invest in over the next couple of years. Okay, so let me get this down. So 15 minutes, writing down all, and how did you describe that again? Yeah. So writing, we're going to create two lists on one piece of paper. Okay. One's our list of opportunities. One's our list of relationships. For the opportunities, the definition is anything we need another human being to say yes to that's going to grow our business. That's an opportunity. So it's, of course, matters, projects, you know, contracts people would sign for you to do work. But it's also things like speaking at a conference that you think would be helpful to grow your book of business. I see. Right. So under opportunities, we can look at the business development things we do to create that brand, create that profile, put us in the path of those people so that when they have a need, they see us. So we would put those actions under opportunities. Is that correct? You got it exactly right. They have a little more shorter term line of sight to revenue. You know, there's a project we'd like to win. We have to, you know, we're getting close. We need to see, see when we can get that signed. But then the relationship list is very long term. Those are people that they may have nothing to purchase with us right now. They may not have a need, but they're the eight or so people we think over the long term are going to be disproportionately important to our success. Okay. So the eight or so people that are going to be primary leads or referral sources, how would we kind of triage it? How would we segment those in the relationship? Uh-huh. Classic consulting answer, Scott. It depends. <laughs> <laughs> but but here's the way you can think about it. And I, I can tell you the who should have which people on, our, on their list. If we can think three years from now, who do we want to be raving fans of ours? Mm-hmm. Who do we want to be running around singing our praises because we did such great work for them or we added so much value in their lives? If I'm a high stake litigator, somebody that, let's say, by definition, has a very episodic practice, they've got the kind of practice where they don't know who's going to be their next client because the papers haven't been served or there hasn't been a class action or whatever. Right. Well, if I have more of an episodic type of practice, I would want to have most of my eight people be folks who can provide me with referrals. Absolutely. Yeah, if, I get that. If I have more of a transactional practice where I like I do a lot of M&A deal, deals, well, I might be able to have my eight people in a private equity firm or right. as a deal maker in a big acquisitive company or something like that. So the eight people flex depending on your type of work that you have, but you want to pick eight people that you feel like, not the people you may know, know now well, could be, but we want to think about the people we want to know well in the future. How did you come up with the number eight for that? 
Ah, well, it's we've trained almost 20,000 people <laughs> all uh, over the world. You know, and I thought I was busy. <laughs> <laughs> well, it took 15 years. Okay. But we, um, we have a whole team of folks that do it. But we work with one of the top three management consultants in the world. I was just training their folks in, in uh, London, Amsterdam and Brussels this morning. We work with a big chunk of the AMLA 100. We work with Sotheby's, the high-end art auctioneers. So as we've gone through that exact exercise of writing down your list of most important people, all in different professional services all over the world. What we've learned is that most people, A, don't have a list of relationships. B, if they do, it's too big. So if you have 100 people on your list, you do nothing. Or you just hang out with the people you already know. Right. But if you can call it down to the, say, eight, could be 10, but I would say 10 or less people that are the most important to your future success, and you write that list down and you stick it on your wall right next to your laptop and you stare at it every day, then you will invest in those people. And over the long haul, it's going to reap big rewards. You know, I think out of all the things I've heard and have read and the people I've interviewed, if there was one thing people should do, it's this, what you just described. If they just had that list, if they just took 15 minutes and said, who are the eight people that are the most instrumental people in my life professionally that can do business with me or lead me to business and identify those? I remember I read Ed Wallace's book. I had him on my show probably about a year ago when I first started it. And he talked about the Fab Five, the Fab Five, who are the mm. five people. You know, And so I like the idea of having a list of people that you're going to reach out to and be intentional. If there's one thing that any professional should do that they haven't, it's that. And I'll tell you this, Mo, I'll never forget the first time I had a drink with a partner who was thinking about moving to a firm, but he didn't have a book of business. And in my world, if they don't have a book, I can't help them. Right. And he'd never thought about going out and getting work. Mm. And I think I've seen that many times. They just don't think about what they need to do to go out and get that. The firm can be great. They can have a chief marketing officer that does a fantastic job of marketing the firm. But it's the responsibility of every individual in an organization to really go out and shake the trees and make it happen. What do you think about that? Well, I I totally agree. You know, here's the thing is somebody can be the best of the best. Let's say they're a lawyer, could be anything in professional services, but let's say they're the best of the best in their expertise. When they meet a prospect, let's say it comes through a referral they didn't even try to get, they meet a prospect. Well, if that prospect's talking to another lawyer, If one person's 99th percentile and one's 50th percentile, it is very difficult to tell who's actually better in that initial half hour meeting. You can't really tell. If you're the decision maker, it's really hard to tell, right? But it's really easy to tell who's the better business developer, who cares more, who can develop relationships, who can add value, who focuses on being helpful right away. So I would argue that somebody that's an okay professional, but a great business developer, they're going to be able to be in control of their career far more than somebody who's the actual better expert, but not good at business development. And it's a shame, but it's true. That's right. And I've seen that before. And I've seen that there are some highly talented attorneys that just get left behind just because they haven't thought about that. What's interesting though, I've seen that there are some people where they might be those quiet introverts, but they've found a narrow niche, which they really understand it. And they have taken the time to really understand where those opportunities are and to pursue those, to understand who are those few people that these are the critical people upon whom my success depends. I need to develop those relationships. They haven't done a lot, but they've done a little bit. 
yeah. they've done those two things that you mentioned. And that, and I placed a guy like that recently that categorized himself as not being a swashbuckling rainmaker, but he'd done very well <laughs> because he found that vein of gold that he dominated within his niche. He was yes. an attractive partner in many ways. And he he understood the power of building a few important relationships. You don't need to be the extrovert that's slapping people on the back all the time. Oh. You know, you can be a quiet introvert and really own your space because of what you talked about. Well, uh, that's exactly right. Let me share a, a little, a quick scientific study and a story. Scientific study first, there's actually research on this. So they divided people up into extrovert, introvert, and interesting ambivert. That's somebody that's in the middle. You know, there's right, a normal right. curve to, to this. The actual most successful rainmakers were ambiverts. Introverts were second. And extroverts were last. Right. So we, we tend to have this view in professional services that, oh, that salesperson, you know, and almost in a, in a negative connotation, that backslapping golf, taken, drink, right, right. making. <laughs> but they're actually the worst. In general, in what the researchers said in the literature is that they were so worried about being liked, they actually didn't talk about the business side. That's right. That's right. The story that's interesting is I, I just got, we were on vacation last uh, two weeks ago, and I got a handwritten note from a person who just got promoted to equity partner at King & Spalding. One of our mm -hmm. clients love working with KNS. And um, he had uh, gone through our program when he was a recently minted income partner. And the main thing he did, Scott, was he took this idea of the relationship list and he wrote it on a dry erase board and he put it above his computer. Every day for the last three or four years, it's it stared at him, the wow. relationship wow. list. And he kept investing and playing the long game in those relationships. He's now an equity partner. And he wrote a handwritten note saying, how much this program meant to him and what me being equity partner means to his family. And it was just super cool because we have 17 different modules we teach. This is one of them. And he locked into it and he's had so much success because of this. That's great. That's a great story, Mo. So let me ask you about the third bucket, so to speak, managing yourself. What does that mean? Yeah. So let's say somebody spent 15 minutes. That's all it takes. They've got their list of opportunities, their list of relationships. What And that's managing your opportunities, managing relationships. The managing yourself part, the habit part is simple as this, Scott. You take 15 minutes once a week. You take a look at your two lists. Right. And no joke, you just pick three things a week around business development that you're going to do in the next week. What are some examples of that? Yeah. So we call those um, most important things. And I'll, let me give you the criteria and I'll give you some examples. The criteria for a most important thing, spell B-I-G. B, they have to be big impact. They're not necessarily the easy to do things. They could be, but they're the big impact things. I, they're, we write them so they're in your control. So we don't want to say have lunch with the new GC because they may not, they might cancel, but we want to say ask for lunch with the new GC. Right. Got and then, gee, they have to be growth oriented. This is critical. A lot of people will fool themselves in saying, well, if I do a good job on the brief, I'll get hired for more. Well, we're assuming you're going to do a good job on the brief. So the MITs have to be growth oriented. So back to examples that, that satisfy big impact in your control and growth oriented. An MIT could be text your friend who's a client and see how the big meeting went with the board. Say, it could be emailing somebody and saying, would it be helpful if we invested in you based on um, the new LIBOR replacement and just spend, I could bring in my expert and we could just offer some discussion on what other financial services are doing around this. 
and we could just have a 30 minute session on our dime to talk about what others are doing and, and see if that is interesting to you. So they can be the littlest things in the world, a little text to see how somebody's doing, or they could be a relatively significant investment we want to make in a prospect. That's great. So let me ask you this, and I think everything you said is solid. Looking over the last year and a half with COVID, people coming out of it now, the world is becoming a happier, more quote unquote normal place. And I promise I won't say the word pivot, but what, <laughs> what do you think are some of the surprising benefits that have come from the crisis in terms of business development? Oh my gosh, there's a million of them. Like our, well, tell, our me, tell me one. <laughs> tell yeah. me one. Well, I think the people that that change to be to love virtual and adapt to it and get really good at it, one out big, and it's paying dividends now. Yeah. So one simple example is if we can digitally or virtually offer what we call a give to get a little 30 or 60 minute session where we're going to, we're going to actually not charge, but help this prospect or client as much as we can. When the old days to do a give to get 60 minute investment meeting to prompt action towards us being hired around something specific, the old days, you'd have to figure out a time that worked. You'd have to fly to LA. You'd have to go all the way to LA from Richmond or wherever somebody lives. Richmond's a great city, Scott. That's right. And uh, you'd have to stay overnight. You'd have to go to the office. You'd have to spend the hour. You'd have to fly all the way back. Man, you're talking the three-day investment to do this one-hour thing with a client, right? So maybe you can do one of those a month. Well, now you can do three, four, five give-to-gets a week because we've all gotten accustomed to do things on Zoom and Microsoft Teams and things like that. So it's the people that have adopted this ability to work across time zones on a moment notice, to invest in clients in meaningful ways while they're going through a tremendous amount of change because of the pandemic coming in, coming out, is the people that doubled down and invested by being helpful that are reaping the dividends now. Yeah, I think so too. And I think even with conferences, I got invited to speak on a panel for the Los Angeles chapter of the Legal Marketing Association talking about the connection between legal marketing and lateral recruiting. And it was probably about a 45-minute session. You're not meeting people in person, but you still got to meet people and you get to see people's reaction and they interact with you. They chat with you. It was more like a breakout than a keynote because it was very casual. And so I think that there's a lot of advantages that have come from this. And I also think, like, you're absolutely right, just the virtual aspect, even if and when people go back to an office rhythm, even if it's 50%, they're still going to keep the virtual part and how they communicate. Um, yes. Like, like I had a, I had an interview take place where it was face-to-face meeting, but the second round is all going to be virtual because you got partners in multiple offices. People yep. are used to it. You know, it's not yep. this strange, awkward thing anymore, you know? Exactly. Yeah. If there, if there's one word I could tag onto what you and I just went back and forth of on its efficiency, right. there's a tremendous amount of efficiency in digital and virtual. And as the world opens back up, I think, I think our new challenge is which things should I do in person? Cause it's better and worth the travel and the friction and the time set up and the delay and all that. But which things are so darn good now I can get 80% of the value like you did with LMA LA, mm-hmm, right? You know, we love working with LMA too. You got 80, 90% of the value, but you just saved three days. That's well, right. I'll take, I'll take that bet all day right. long, right? <laughs> Give me 80% and save three days done. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, that's right. So let me ask you this about managing yourself. Are there any aspects of emotional mastery, emotional awareness, uh, resilience, anything that you've seen that professionals need to focus on in that third bucket of managing yourself? Oh, Scott, I've got a big one. Divorce yourself from the outcome. 
So what we mean all the time by that is professionals would get hung up on, I wrote this wonderful email, I invested in the client, I didn't hear back in the first three minutes, I'm a failure. (laughs) But that's the wrong way to look at it. The right way to look at it is, you know, we talked about MITs and doing three a week, three most important things that satisfy big impact in your control and growth oriented. If somebody does three things a week, that's about 150 a year. Yeah. All proactive, all big impact, all in our control. We can always get three out of three every single week. If somebody does that, if they divorce themselves from the outcome, if somebody replied or not, it doesn't matter. You're not going to get a yes on everything. But man, if you do three things like you and I have talked about every single week, you're going to get a yes on like 100 of the 150 and you're going to win. And here's one more thing I just thought of. And I'll tell you how I came to this what I started doing about four years ago, at the end of the day, in an Excel spreadsheet, I would document two things. What was my greatest achievement for the day? Yep. What was a big win? Did I get an interview set up? Did I get a new client? And then what yep. was my biggest lesson? What did I screw up in? I love it. And I've been doing that since probably January of 2018. And I, I have other metrics on that Excel spreadsheet. And what I started doing within the first year, I would go back and I would spend extra attention to the lessons learned, my failures. And you know what I found, Mo? I saw that there were certain patterns in the mistakes I was making. And so what I would do each month, I would look at what is a virtue or a character goal, because usually I believe that all the problems of performance relate from character issues and values more than performance, Mm -hmm. such as fear. I don't want to feel hurt because I'm afraid they're going to say no. So I'm going to wait three days before I get back to them after they told me they were interested. You know, and, and, and I would, anyways. And so what I saw was that there's performance improvement that takes place over time, but you got to pay attention every day. You got to pay attention and do little things every day. What do you think about documenting these things that people do? What do you think about something like that? Well, Scott, I just finished my weekly review right before we got on this call. (laughs) So yeah, there's a bunch of research that shows gratitude is one of the most important uh, feelings we can have. And a researcher named Dr. Teresa Mabale, she's at Harvard. She coined a methodology based on her research over decades called the progress principle. And what she found is the most productive people, and this is interesting, but also the happiest are the folks who do exactly what you do. Wow, some kind that. of a daily or weekly review. Yeah. So what I do is I have a little app. It's called Day One. I have a template I've built. I can click two clicks and I can populate the weekly the weekly review. And I just type in there the progress we made that week. Yeah. My to-do list is still a mile long. I still yeah. have calls that I need to respond to. I still have emails. But victory that week was doing my three MITs or not. And then I write down the things that I got done. And I finished mine, Scott, it's similar to your big win. I put pictures because it's electronic. I can attach pictures to that little journal entry that are just the fun things I did that week with my family. What a great idea. Ends the week on this positive of a text from my daughter with a kitten or, you know, right, right, right. Yeah. And and I really believe that lawyers are people too. You know, they have emotions, professionals, (laughs) high performing. Yes. Olympic level people that are in business, they're people and they have feelings. And I think that yeah. if we can use the, the positives to move us forward, like anchoring the thoughts of victory, like you talked about. Uh, one thing I did with my little girl, she, she doesn't like playing golf that much. She's nine. I got her a set of clubs. I play a lot. And sometimes she'll come and play with me and she kind of complains about it. And well, anyways, we went to an indoor place called X Golf, where they've got 
they've got these bays that you can rent. And then they've got like a kid version where they've got like the floating honey pot. Yeah, it's going to knock your ball out of the air, you know, and the little Nintendo type characters floating around. Yeah. And she had a blast and she hit this one shot that was perfect. It went right in the hole and she was jumping up and down. I said, how do you feel? She said, I feel excited. I'm like, please take that with you. You know, <laughs> please keep that. And, and I think that when people tie the emotional context of victory to what they do, it, they, it wants them to get them to do more. That, what, yes. what do you think about that? that the, the research says it's actually true. So that goes back to the Mobley research. There's some other, in fact, close to you, Dr. Seppo Esau-Hole at Virginia. He's a worldwide expert in what he calls psychological momentum. Wow. It's a super cool science. He studies a bunch of stuff, but this is my favorite piece of his body of work. And what he found is in psychological momentum, and I'm paraphrasing with our lens on it, is that if you want to have psychological momentum, if you want to feel like you're unstoppable, the way you do it is you start so small that it's ridiculously easy. You set the initial bar so low, you can step over it. So if we pull that back to our habit discussions we've been having, we can do that in 30 minutes this week, right? We could we could have 15 minutes to write down our opportunity list and our in our relationship list. And then we could spend 15 minutes just thinking of, hey, what are three things I can do next week that'll move the needle? And we purposely pick three things that no joke take less than like 10 minutes. Yeah, Anybody can do that. And then once you get three out of three next week, you can make them a little harder. You can get three out of three the next week. After a month, six, eight weeks, what our folks in our programs tell us is, man, I feel like I'm on a roll because they still have a big inbox. They still have phone calls. They still have things left undone, but that's what they're defining as victory is for the week. They do it and then they get it the next week and the next week and the next week. Well, Mo, you've got this wealth of insight and I feel like We've just only had your introduction and we're about ready to get started, but we're almost done. And there's so much more that I know you can share. And I'd love to have you come back on the show. But if you could do two things, if you could kind of give us three action steps people can take to get started on some of these ideas that you have, and then also share with us, what are the resources that you have we can put on the show notes? What are your offerings that you'd like people for you uh, to know about what you offer? I'm happy to. So this will be fun. We'll do this off the cuff, Scott. So I'll give you the biggest tip for each of the three areas. How about that? Good. Sounds great. Okay. So with managing opportunities, everybody that's listening, focus on progress, not getting the deal done. You're going to be a lot more successful if you're just always focused on having incremental progress on bringing the meaty matters or projects you want in the door, but you're not worried about, in air quotes, closing until it's time to do that. Just focus on getting to the next step. With the relationships, the number one tip is only focus on being helpful. So in that segment, when you write down your, say, eight people's names, whenever you're reaching out to them, you're only thinking with empathy, what would they like to hear from me? What can I do to be helpful? You're not being transactional at all. You're sending them a book. You're emailing a link to a TED Talk. You're texting to see how their big meeting went. Anything that just says, I care about you as a human being. Yeah. And then for managing yourself, I'm cheating a little bit because we sort of already started this one, but I would say set the initial bar so low you can step over it. When you want to build a new habit, it's easy for all of us in business to say, oh man, I'm going to develop the big spreadsheet Scott talked about. That's super cool. I'm going to do all this stuff. Do that in a few months. But right now, just take out a post-it note and write down three things that you're going to do next week for business development, slap it on your laptop, and make sure you do those next week. And if that sounds easy, 
fantastic. That's where it should be. Set the initial bar so low you can step over it. And then, then you'll create that psychological momentum we talked about. Well, Mo, this is great. I've learned a lot and I don't want to stop. I want to keep talking with you the rest of the afternoon, but I know we have to end it. And tell us about the resources that you have. And I'll put anything that you want us to on the show notes. But what are the offerings that you have that the people listening can really benefit from? Well, I'll do this briefly, but I'll give you one thing that people can start with and they can start with that no charge and it's going to be tremendously valuable. I mean, we do speeches and comprehensive business development trainings and all kinds of things. But the one thing that people can do that are listening, that's super easy and will transform their life. I'm not making that up. I know that sounds crazy. Is go to a URL bdhabits.com. So B for business, D for development. So if you're listening in the car, really easy to remember, bdhabits.com. Go there and sign up. And what you'll get is a six-part series that goes way deeper than anything we could do in in a short interview like this. And it will give you downloads. There's a toolkit. There's six videos. It teaches you how to have the optimal business development habits so that you'll stay on top of business development, you can integrate it in your busy life, and you will have commercial success. BDHabits.com, we spent, we probably spent 40 or 50 hours building out that little course that doesn't cost a thing, and everybody can get it if they go to BDHabits.com and sign up. Yeah, we'll put that link on the show notes there. And Mo, thank you for being here. Your content solid. I hope to have you back on the show in the near future. Scott, I would love to, man. This is a blast. Like, I feel like we're long lost brothers. Yeah, we that's right. The same things. And it was just fun to, to start the relationship off with something fun like this. Great. Thank you, Mo. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. For more information about our recruiting services for international law firms, visit our website at attorneysearchgroup.com. To inquire about having Scott speak at your next convention, conference, sales meeting, or executive retreat, visit therainmakingpodcast.com. <laughs>